You're listening to a Wheels on the Ground production. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Hey there, Disability After Dark listeners, Andrew here. I want to tell you all about a really awesome deal that I got from my friends and new sponsors, Adam and Eve, the number one adult toy superstore. They reached out to me and they said, Andrew, we love Disability After Dark. We love your show. We love what you're doing. And we were wondering if you wanted to run some ads for us. And I was like, fuck yes, I do. But what are my awesome listeners going to get if I run ads for you? What are they going to get out of this? And they came back with a really fantastic deal that I want to share with you right now. I hope you're getting comfy, cozy, and crippled because this deal is pretty great. If you go to AdamEve.com, you can pick out almost any item in the store, almost any one item in the store, for 50% off. That means you can get one dildo, one lube, and one thing of lingerie, if you want, for 50% off. And then, once you get that one item for half price, they throw in even more free stuff. Let me tell you all about it. Okay, so you got your one item at half price in your bag, and you're ready to go, but guess what? This offer also includes 10 free items on top of that that other item. So you get one free item for penis havers, one free item for vulva havers, one free item for couples, and then you also get six free movies from the AdamEve.com website. You can get your favorite porn or an educational film. I love free movies. They're so awesome. This is such a great deal. And then, on top of that, you also get free shipping. What could be better? This is such a great offer. So, to redeem this great offer, what you're going to do is you're going to go to AdamEve.com. You're going to go to checkout and you're going to type in DarkPod. That's D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout, and you're going to get one item, almost anything in the store, at 50% off, and then you're going to get those 10 free gifts, absolutely free, as part of your offer. This is such a great deal, and this is just for you, Disability After Dark listeners, and I hope you run over to AdamEve.com and take advantage of it right now. Content warning. The language content and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. You're listening to Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories with your host, disability awareness consultant, Drew Gerza. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show, friends. Thank you so much for clicking on this brand new episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories. I'm, of course, your host, Daddy Drew Gerza. Hello. Let's get comfy, cozy, and crippled and get this show started, everybody. First thing is first, friends. I want to give a shout out to... One of the awesome people that keeps the bright light shining on disability stories on this show. And that is to give a shout out to the Patreon peeps. So let's do that right now. One of the awesome Patreon peeps who pledged their money is my new friend, Bob Geis Hoffer. Who pledged $1 a month to keep the light going on this show. Thank you so much. It means so much. And I'm going to give you a weird pun right now, which is... Bob Geishoffer, thank you for your offer of $1 a month. If you're listening and you want to pledge to the show and get the show one day early as well as completely ad-free on the Patreon feed, you can go to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark and pledge $1 a month up to $5 a month or more. As well, you can also pledge, do a yearly pledge 
If that works for you, you can pledge whatever amount you can for the year, and that's amazing. So pledge to the show if you can, but also leave reviews and tell your friends, and just shine a light on the show however you can. But now, let's get started. On the show today, I sit down with my new friend, Bobby Box. We met through the fact that he wrote an article about me for Daily Extra magazine a few months ago after he attended a presentation that I did for Everybody Deserves Sex Ed, and he was like, wow, I can't believe that I've never really explored sex and disability. Bobby Box is a sex columnist for Grindr, he's written for Playboy, and a number of different outlets. He basically writes about sex every day, but he realized that he didn't really understand a lot about sex and disability, and he came to my presentation and he was blown away, so much so that he was like, I want to write an article about you. So he ended up writing about my experience with sex work as a disabled client, and we realized that we have some friends in common, and we got to talking, and I said, well, why do you come on the show, and why don't we talk about the ways you can make your sex writing better and more inclusive for disabled people, and that's sort of what we did here today. We talk about the ways in which I think sex writing can be more inclusive for disabled people, what people like Bobby can do to make his writing more inclusive for disabled people, and even if it's not doing a whole article, there's other things he can do, and we talk about that. We talk about, you know, some of the, some of the, the, the issues with trying to write a story and how often stories around disabled people are are picked up a certain way and, and presented to the media a certain way or just how sex stories are presented in a certain way. And so we look at ways Bobby could make his writing about sex more inclusive and more considered of disabled people and I loved doing that with him and I loved sitting down with him and letting him ask questions and letting him explore and letting him figure out ways he could bring disability into the work he does. We, there's so much we talk about in this in this episode, but it was so fun to just sit down with him and talk and to let him to let him just be unaware about sex and disability in the way that he was and to learn stuff with him. And I really, really appreciate that. And I really, really love giving non-disabled people some space to explore that stuff and figuring out how to give them the tools to confront their own ableism and stuff and to know what they don't know. And I love doing that with Bobby. And that's sort of what this episode was all about today. And I really enjoyed having him. I really hope that we, that Bobby and I get to work on that disability sex column together. It'd be so fun. Bobby, let's do it. You'll hear it in the, you'll hear it in the thing. Um, but I love this interview with him, and I hope you do too. So, without further ado, here's my interview with Grinders resident sex columnist, Bobby Box, right here on Disability After Dark. Bobby Box. Oh, wait, now it's recording. Bobby Box, hello. Hello, how are you? Hello, so nice to have you on Disability After Dark, and I'm so happy we're finally sitting down together. I've been stalking you and trying to get you to like do this for a while. I was like, glad we're finally here. I know it's really nice. Honestly, you were one of my favorite follows. So I'm so glad to be here. I'm, I'm really excited. Uh, we met each, well, actually before we get into our like meet cute, sorry. Mm -hmm. Can you um, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So I primarily right now, I am Grinders sex columnist. I have a column with them called Gay Sex Ed, and I am Playboy's resident male sex writer. So Whoa. I ultimately write about sex every day of the week, and I get shipped sex toys all the time to review. It's a great job. I am not complaining. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote for Playboy once, and they were almost going to have me, they were almost going to do a piece on me, and then they never got back to me. And I was a little, I was a little bit a little bit sore about it playboy little let's bit make sore. that happen they were like i can't remember what the piece was on they wanted me to write a piece about something so i wrote it for them and we were in the middle of like looking at the the edits and then all of a sudden they just saw no one ever go back to me and i was like okay that's weird like uh, you know what they re i don't know when that was but they've gone through a lot of um hires and rehires because they're restructuring a lot yeah. So I'm wondering if maybe the editor you were speaking with got lost in the fray there. Maybe it might have been. I I just yeah. remember being like, oh, like they literally reached out and said, 
we want you to write a thing for Playboy. And I like fell over. I was like, what's your yeah. name? And then, and then like, and then they just, they, they, they like stopped communicating. So, hey, if you know anyone there, the ones, the you got ghosted by Playboy. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's kind of cool, right? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I stumbled on you because you stumbled on me. I did a presentation for um, Ann Hotterships. Yep. Everybody deserves sex ed. Uh, one of my like, my usual presentation for her, I, I work with her a lot and do the same kind of like sex and disability mm. presentation every about two or three months. And I love her. She's great. She's great. And you reached out right after and said, I was there and I watched your presentation and, and I... You said to me, like, I was kind of embarrassed about that I didn't know what I didn't know, and I'd love to write a piece on you. Can you kind of elaborate on that? Yeah. So uh, this course was actually a sex education, like, certification course. So once we finished that, we could be – we could teach sex ed to, like, or counsel on sexual issues and stuff like yeah. that. So – your presentation, well, because I write about sex for, you know, I've almost been doing it for nearly a decade. Um, I've been knowledgeable on most of the information in these presentations, but yours. And I was instantly, you know, enamored by the story. And I was like, I need to know more about this because when I, there's, I know so much on the subject. So when I don't know, I become obsessed with it. And I'm like, yeah. I need to know more. So, I mean, all of the information in your presentation was, were things I never knew. So uh, I'd never done anything on the subject and I realized that that was an issue. So I wanted to shine a light on it. And because you're so outspoken about your sex life and I'd been following you on social media prior to the presentation, you were like the perfect person for me to tell this story through because I've, I just, you're so open in that when I asked you questions, I just, I wasn't expecting, you know, when you ask questions for people, a lot of them don't give you what you need and you kind of have to elaborate yeah. on what you think they're saying. You have to like pull their teeth and be like, exactly. so what about this? And yeah. how, do I write, how do I write 500 words on the two senses you gave me? I don't right. know. And you gave me so much more. And I would have to say, I think you asked me earlier what my favorite articles of the year were and yours is in my top three by far. Yeah. I mean, I, I saw that there, which thank you. I saw that. I was like, Oh, that's nice. But yeah. like, it was so cool to get your email and you were just like, so genuine about like I didn't know anything about this and I want to write a piece and like maybe there's something there and like then the fact that you like I thought of course I said sure and then the fact that you knew John Shield and like you guys are friends and I was like oh that's cool like with the fact that when I realized that you knew him I was like oh that's awesome like that's great it's such a small world yeah I know it was it was wild because I was writing the article and I was just going to do two separate perspectives like from the perspective of you the disabled client and then from the perspective of someone who works with a sex worker who works with disabled clients. Yeah. And I knew that my friend John did. So I went, Oh, would you be comfortable talking about this? And then as I learned more, I was like, these two work together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was totally us. Yeah. And cause I, I reached out to him and I was like, so looks like we're going to be in the same article. And he was like, the one Bobby's writing. And I was like, yeah, that was <laughs> all right. Good. It was fate, you know, it was meant to be. We were all meant to connect. Yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't surprised though. I mean, gay Toronto is really tiny. We also Oh my like, god, is it's it ever so tiny? No. Um, it's like honestly, you go to you know exactly who you're gonna see at each bar, you yeah, know. Yeah. It, <laughs> it's so small. Exactly. Not that we've gone to bars forever, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so like what about my what about that presentation that you saw me in? What were you embarrassed to say you didn't you didn't know i would say the most would be kind of you know able-bodied people's um you know the ableism that comes with you know being able-bodied like i guess i felt embarrassed that i hadn't done the learning myself and was like why am i only learning about this now yeah and, you know, this was a course that was part of a program I had taken. And now ever since you pre presented, I make sure I attend at least biweekly a course on something like a sex course on something I'm not familiar with because oh, I, that's realized, so great. Yeah, I realize how valuable it is, you know, like you can never know too much. And, you know, in that vein, and I want to, I want to, I love having able-bodied people on the show because I love giving them the space to learn and ask questions and feel vulnerable. And so in a totally safe environment here Bobby if you were to like you know ask me something you don't know what would you want to ask me 
or do you have any questions about sex and disability that are like burning in your mind? Yeah, I do. But I'm going to preface this with um, a little, you know, a little thing just about from a sex writer's perspective. Yeah. Um, so I think one of the most challenging things about being a sex writer is writing in a way that everyone feels represented. So like be it their sexual orientation, their gender identity, their pronouns, their kinks or their disabilities. In most cases, sex articles have to be incredibly niche or you'd be writing an entire article on any given subject, you know? Yeah. So that's something we're clearly not paid enough to do. You know, rates are abysmal these days. But yeah. my question to you is, what can I do in my generic articles? And I'll use my latest as an example for Grinder: how to give a great blowjob where people with disabilities feel represented. You know, I've been doing some work for kinkly.com and the same thing, kind of providing them my expertise and right. provide, like helping them rewrite pieces. And be like, well, you can put this here. I think it really boils down to putting like this could work for everybody and if you're disabled that you could try this or if you're disabled you might want to look into this or if you have xyz disability this might be this position might not work but you could try this like it's not necessarily making every article about disability it's putting it in almost every piece you do even just a little bit with even if it's like one sentence or like a, a an add-on to a sentence so that it's in there somewhere. So that even if you're not talking directly to that community, you're including them somewhere. Right, no, then that makes tons of sense. I guess the reason I haven't is because I think it's important to know as a, as a good sex educator is to know what you don't know. And I, yeah. that's definitely an area where I'm not super knowledgeable. So I don't really know who I can reach out to sometimes. And I feel like I don't want to you know, take too much from what you're doing or, you know, interrupt whatever you're doing and be like, oh, can you comment on this? And you'd be like, no, I'm busy. You know, I mean, well, first of all, I'm always busy, but two, <laughs> <laughs> two, like I, I would love to comment because I think there needs to be more, there needs to be, the disability just needs to be a part of sex writing period. And it's not. Yeah. So if ever you have like an article that you're working on that you want to have a disabled perspective on, or you need a sentence that like, make sense so right. that it you know it fits and so that you you know you're inclusive and, and like that'd be great also like one of the questions i was going to ask you in our thing today but i'll ask you now mm -hmm. is like we should co-write a piece together because then i can show you how like that there's a nuance in language there's a way that it's constructed to connect with the disability community so yeah. that it's not because so much of gay male media is like you know, and I, I've seen it in all the writing, not just yours, like basically the base, it's basic white gay male media of like tops and bottoms and fucking and yeah. And like, okay, that's great. But like, where's the nuance of like, what if you have chronic pain? What if you can't rail a guy up against the bathroom wall because of disability? Like where's, where's the, the spots for them in the writing? And right. I think so much of it is, is geared towards that, really privileged group that we have to like take a step back everybody that does any kind of sex writing has to look at it and go who are we missing here because like we'll do pieces on and they and big big articles have done pieces on me about like Andrew's having great disabled sex and that's a one-off piece and they'll pull that out every two to three years and we'll never see it again but it's like what if this conversation was in every single piece about sex writing? Again, not the focal point, but just there as like a, a little, oh, if you're disabled, you could try this. If you right. have this ability level, you could try this. If this doesn't work for you, what about this? Like giving them a, a voice without like banging us over the head with it or having it as a, a feature piece. Like that's the trouble yeah. I think with my work in sex writing and being a, a public figure is that they'll they'll hi either hire me to write a really sexy piece on sex and disability and then that's that's my one piece for the year that they'll like trot out again and put out it like and put on their social media once every six months like the one you wrote for me mm -hmm. i love it it's great but it's i see it on extras like feed every i want to say every two months it's like there again which is right. great but it's like there's more than just that one piece that we could be 
like mining and i think i think the trouble with that is that like they these these media outlets they want to obviously they want a good story and i make a great story as a one-off the trouble is how do you keep that going for xyz articles yeah and a, a big part of it too is you know I'm never guaranteed articles. I'm usually, you know, I, I'll send an editor 10 and they'll choose two. So any of my more niche ideas are more, are usually ignored because it doesn't appeal to the masses. Do you know what I yeah. mean? So it's yeah. like, this isn't going to make us money. Let's do this one. Or this isn't going to get clicks. Let's do this one. Yeah. So like, I am kind of working on a uh, newsletter where I could kind of publish anything that I want to write. Yeah. Even though, you know, I'm not going to get paid for it, but I'm hoping one day eventually maybe I can. It's going to get you some eyes on it. And then some people yeah. are like, we should hire him as our feature guy for the thing because he wrote that cool newsletter. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or like, you know, just to be able to tell these stories that, you know, this disabled, you know, I could do a disabled sex column. Expose. Like, yeah. Speak to you the whole, whole time, you know? Yeah. Like, I just. Also, we should that, do that. I'm I think totally that's great. That. That's yeah. A great idea. It is a great idea. Um, you know, you could be like the you can be like the lady whistle down of gay sex. I'm, I'm there for that. Yeah, why not? Right. <laughs> um. So so like, I, and I just think you know you've written so many great pieces. Like I went over your your pieces, and every single one of them, I was like, this is great. We could add disability here. Like you did a whole piece on the pain of um, bottoming, and I've I connected to that right away because I've never bottomed, and it's not something that I can physically do. Mm-hmm. It's something that I often feel like I am missing out on right. in the gay sex world because everybody talks about it. And I'm like, I don't know what that's like. What I've never been, you know, penetrated, so I have no idea what that feels like. But I feel I felt like when I was reading your article, like you talk about some of the pain and some of the shame, and I was like, all of this could easily, easily be translated into like, oh, disabled men feel that way too. Disabled right. men feel like this. Like you talk about how you know some men don't like the pain. Some men can't get into the positions to be properly penetrated. Mm-hmm. And I, my, the whole time I read it, my brain was like, yep, disability here, here, and here. So like, I think kind of like to my point earlier, all you have to do is sprinkle in like disabled men could try this or this position doesn't work. Like try this. Right. So I do want to apologize for that because it was definitely an oversight because you're absolutely right it could have been included in there but um i came up with the idea for that article after i read a study that said like 30 to 40 percent of gay male sexual encounters includes anal intercourse so like that means the other you know 70 percent is all about blowjobs yeah so i was like that's interesting i wonder why And then um, the study kind of goes on to say that a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of things that prevent people from having receptive anal intercourse. And that's, you know, douching, pain, not knowing the person well enough, you know, uh, fear of HIV. So I put out a request on my social media channels to speak with people who identify as bottoms, but don't enjoy the act of bottoming. Yeah. So I then use the experiences of the people who reached out to me to tell the story and unfortunately, I didn't hear from anybody with disabilities. So I do want to apologize. Well, not, first of all, no need to apologize. Like, again, I'm not. And <laughs> I said this off the recording, but I'll say it again now. Like, my, the whole point of me bringing it on today was not to like, gotcha, your articles are the worst. Make them more yeah. disability inclusive. <laughs> like, the whole point of today was like, that I that I think, you know, that's not your fault. I think gay and sex writing culture just seems to forget disability. And mm-hmm. then does the thing that they do where they like, will have a one-off where like every six months or every year, there'll be one groundbreaking story about the hot disabled people who are, who fuck. And then we never see it again. And my thing is it needs to be an everyday conversation that we're constantly infusing, especially in gay male spaces, because you know, it's not existent. It's not gay yeah. men and disability is non-existent. Like it's not there. Right. And on the surface, it can, you know, if you get in certain circles, it could be a very uh, surface level, you know, kind of full of ourselves community at times. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, we're kind of the worst. Um, <laughs> um, but, you know, I kind of wanted to chat with you about going back to that douching article about mm-hmm. like some of the ways we could make that more accessible. So you could talk about like easier positions about like, you know, you could 
you could do anal on your side you could do like you could do anal with the toy you could you could classify anal sex as like fingering if you really wanted right. to like, totally. there's so many different ways you could include disability in there in a way that i think like i said doesn't bang you over the head with it, it just says here's an option for you right and i i totally agree i i just i remember going into that article thinking my goal here is to make people who identify as bottoms but don't enjoy receptive anal sex to like i just want them to feel less alone yeah and i think you know for a lot of disabled like i think emotionally i would classify myself as a bottom Mm -hmm. but physically i can't so like so like you know that whole discussion of like what is a bottom again totally fits into like disability discourse because i'm emotional i can i'm more i have to pretend to be really like aggro because that way people pay attention to me not aggro but like you know i have to be more aggressive in my sexuality because Mm -hmm. if i'm not then people don't notice me but if i was in a place where my disability was supported, I could just be like, oh yeah, I'm a big old bottom and I'm, it's fine. But like, because people, like I had a shirt made last week from, from Vistaprint, not, not an ad and not sponsored, but, but Vistaprint, uh, I made a shirt that was, that says power chair top and like, oh, that's amazing. I love it. But like, part of me is like, well, I'm only a top because, you know, of circumstances. Yeah, like nobody would... First of all, people are afraid to fuck me because they don't want to hurt me. Mm-hmm. They're afraid to... They're afraid of the whole... How do I tell... Like, how do I say in a sexy way to John Shield? Like, hey, so we're going to mess around. And also, do you want to douche me out? Like, that's weird. It's, right. it's a, That's a tough conversation to have. So there's so many barriers to, to that. And I think putting stuff like that in an article for people to see... Would like so when you do your newsletter, if like you, if you want to do that column, I think that could be such a cool, that would be such a cool idea. Oh, it's happening! That that newsletter's happening. I've like, already decided. <laughs> I'm there for it because like it's so, it's it's something that I'm tired of seeing it in in gay media. Like, and I've put myself in the position to be a gay media person, but mm. I'm tired of being reached out to by some of the other lists that you've written for. And they're like, oh, can we do a one-off piece on you? And I'm like, cool, but I have 75 more million ideas that I would like to like pitch to you. And also I want to feed myself. So like, can we, can we do something with this? Totally. And so it just feels really, and I've seen it in like bigger, like for out.com, like they've done stuff on me and they've done stuff with my friend Ryan O'Connell. Like they've done all these pieces on the key disabled people in the world who are queer, who are out, who are putting out stuff. But then they go away into this like dark hole and we never hear from them again. Yeah. And I don't know if this is true, but I tend to think gay outlets write about it more than mainstream outlets. Do they not? I mean, I can't, I don't, I think so, but yeah. I don't want to say yes or no. Cause I'm not sure. Cause like, I, don't, <laughs> I, get I, don't, it. Yeah. I don't read a lot of straight sex columns. Same. <laughs> so like, um, I'm in it for the big D and not so much like the rest of it, but like, but like, you know, so I don't know, but I, I think, you know, they gravity to it because it makes a good story and everything that I've been asked to be featured in or write about is, you know, really, and through no, not necessarily a fault of their own, but maybe through their own unawareness and kind of ableism is it like, it's really sensationalized. It's really like, oh, Andrew's a wheelchair user and he has great sex. Right. Andrew goes to get STI tested or like, you know, and all this stuff. I, I also, when I find, when I pitch as a disabled person wanting to write stuff, I really have to be careful how I pitch it because mm-hmm. I can't write it for a disabled audience. I have to write it for a non-disabled audience. Right. So I can't say what I'm really feeling about this. I mean, I can, but I have to make sure that it's, accessible to every one and that's really been hard for me as a disabled writer to be like i want to tell you the truth but i you won't get it so great right. yeah like you can't go into like too much graphic detail about it either because yeah. it's got to be disabled sex 101 yeah and yeah. i'm like and for me i'm like on the master's like thesis dissertation of disabled <laughs> sex being like why is no one paying attention to this right um and so i think you know that's why a lot, a lot of, on a lot of my social media that's where I put all my stuff because I'm like, this community will get it. 
if I put it in an article, I'll have the editor come back and say, I don't understand this. Can you like spend a paragraph explaining to me why? And it's like, well, no, I don't want to. Why do I have to? And it's like, if I use these, this word count to explain this, you're going to cut somewhere else. Because, yeah. 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 So I find like, I don't write a lot for those big outlets anymore because I'm like, you're going to pay me nothing. You're going to cut my words down. I'm not going to say what I really want to say. I'll just put it on an Instagram live. And then there you go. Like whatever. Yeah. It's fun. And I do find that that's kind of where media is going is a lot of people are kind of owning their own content. Yeah. Because, you know, publications are hurting a little bit and we all have our own opinions and that's kind of what I'm doing with the newsletter. And I'm like, let's see how this goes. You know, it might be a disaster and I'm like, never again, or, you know, it could work out, you know? Well, I mean, I was, as soon as I saw it, like I was, I remember when you posted that within the first 20 seconds of me seeing that, I was like, yep, signing up. Yep. Like whatever, Aww, because like, you're the best. I mean, I pretty much am the best, but like, I, I, I felt <laughs> for you because like, I, I was like, this guy's trying so hard to make it. Like, they first of all, they banned you off. They cut you off Twitter because mm-hmm. I can't I don't remember why. But I was like, that's silly. Yeah. And then when you came back, I was like, oh, this poor dude is just trying to get his stuff out there. It's so hard. Like, every everyone's working against you. And if you're involved, you know, sex workers know this better than anyone. Uh, whatever you go to publish, you know, or anything that's even remotely sexual, this is like, they're getting to the point where they're banning people in underwear. Like, it's just yeah it's too much even twitter which was great for that they're starting to cut down on that it's like, a, i mean they're censoring it, us all it's, it's so weird it's so like but their big sellers who are really famous can do that or say horrible things mm, yep and nobody cares like 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 it's ridiculous so but let's go back to disability for a minute because okay. because because um there was, a, there was another piece you wrote that I kind of looked into when I was doing research for you. You have pieces about addiction, recovery, consent, HIV. And those pieces, I was also like, you know, disability can be really included here because disabled people know what it's like to recover from, from not only addiction, but also like surgery and also like body stuff. Yeah. We know what it's like to deal with consent in a way that people don't understand. So like, you know, the conversations around consent in, in gay media right now or just the gay world right now are like, don't touch me if we're at a bar. Even if I'm wearing nothing, you still don't get the right to like touch me. So like, you know, disabled people get that. I get touched in my wheelchair all the time but it's not appropriate for people to do so. Yeah. Or like, you know, discussions of HIV and disability could be really interesting too because like, I think the reason a lot of gay men are afraid of disabled men and are afraid to talk about it is because from the HIV pandemic and epidemic, people, uh, people saw their friends die and saw their friends get really sick, saw some of their really healthy friends have to be in wheelchairs or have to be disabled and then pass away. So I think there's a holdover within those communities of like, how do we talk about disability without bringing up like, HIV trauma or how do we talk about HIV trauma and include the fact that disability is a part of that and I think that's why a lot of white able-bodied like muscle gay men are afraid to engage with me when I'm like hey I'm you know hot and I have a big dick too like here I am they're afraid to engage with me because they're like oh he's disabled I'm worried that he's sick and sick means illness and illness means death like so I think you know and obviously when you were writing that that wasn't like top of mind nor should it have been but i think like for the next time you write about hiv or maybe we could write one together like like a discussion of like how those two worlds can go together yeah no i, I totally agree with you i think that i i do i i i'm actually i know i keep bringing up the news but i'm excited to work on this with you because i think that this will be a great way to get that out there without any outside like sources or editors influencing you what you can do it'll be us which will be nice but yeah I guess I guess the my uh answer to that is I when I don't know something I bring in an expert to speak on it and I quote them based on what they say and rarely do they ever mention disability so I should keep that at front of mind to speak to you as well to get that perspective in or I mean, I, I mean, me, yes, always going to me first because I'm the best. No, but, but like, <laughs> like there are, you know, you should reach out to a number. Like I know 
for the John Shield piece, mm-hmm. did you, were you, I, I think I sent you other people that had worked with sex workers in Toronto. Did you ever get a chance to like get a hold of them? Yes, I got a hold of them and uh, they didn't have the time to speak. Oh no. That. Yeah. So it was, I did reach out. I, and then I reached out to a medical assisted sex worker. I believe they're called. What is it? Yeah. 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 That's right. And they were, I didn't even know that existed prior to talking to you. And they gave me, you know, the lowdown on that. So I, like I said, it was the most I'd ever learned from an article I would say I, that I wrote last year. Well, that makes me very happy. Cause yeah. like, I didn't even, cause when I did that, when I did that piece where you found out about me, I didn't even know, I didn't even see you. I had no idea you were in the audience. So I get this email yeah. from some guy that's like, Hey, you're cool. I follow you. <laughs> Can I write a piece on you? And so like, so like, you know, I think that piece, I really liked it. I was really excited by that piece. I think you did a really good job. I think also though, that like, that like, I think I would love to see more of, again, that newsletter is also really exciting to me because like, when have we seen that so, so regularly discussed? And I think the, what's exciting for me about that and the possibility of that is like, you're not disabled, right? Like, as far as I know, you don't identify as having disabilities, right? Correct, correct. So the there's a really cool kind of juxtaposition of like you're not disabled, but we can talk about this. Yeah. So like you can bring in gay sex stuff that I have no idea about. And I can be like, oh, let's see how disability is included here. Yeah. No, I, I think that's a great idea. And I um, you know, I'm going to moving forward when I do kind of take over my own content, try to be more cognizant of that type of stuff and the people who don't get to speak to these it's just important for me to speak to the right person yeah so you know i know you're very knowledgeable but i'd also like to speak with others you know of course and i I would want you to and i would want like my my views on disability are only one there's so many more that you can tap into and i think i just think you know i think co-writing pieces with different disabled authors and also again not just disabled people like other people that experience isms in our community like co-write with the black person co-write with like mm-hmm. a bunch of different different people in the community who are not heard from like i think what i love about your style is that it's very relaxed it's very chill like yeah. even this conversation is so like we're just having a chat so like yeah. it's so also have you considered being a podcaster you should do that you should definitely like put it's a show you out. mention it i have one uh it's going to be launching in mid-february and i was going to reach out to you about an episode on disabled sex oh nice so we should <laughs> totally do that yes yes, yes i perfect will timing <laughs> perfect timing um but did you have as a non-disabled person i want to again give the opportunity to like ask things do yeah. you have any like questions just about disability that i can clear up for you or or talk about it's honestly something that I don't even know where to start because even writing the article on you, there were so many things that got brought up that I didn't, I didn't know that like the limited, I didn't consider, you know, douching to be, you know, for able-bodied people douching. Yeah. It's a pain sometimes literally, <laughs> but <laughs> it's just like, Oh, I don't want to do this, but it's so minuscule when you think about, you know, the experiences of other people who may not even be able to do that on their own. Yeah. Why am I complaining about this? I feel like such a spoiled brat. Like I would, first of all, I'd love to be able to douche because that would mean that somebody wants to fuck me. But like I was saying earlier, how do you, how do you say to your hot lover? Like, Hey, so do you want to douche the crap out of my ass? We can fuck later. Like that's not, that's really, it's really like, not even that. How do you say that to like, let's pretend for a minute that John Sheila and I were going to have a session Mm -hmm. and how do I say to my care worker, hey, my hot sex worker is coming over in 20 minutes or an hour from now. I need you to like douche my bum hole. Like, how do you? How, how? Yeah, <laughs> it's true. It's like, is this sexy foreplay? <laughs> yeah, like, is this gonna, yeah. this is what you do? So like, I think also in your writing, writing kind of stuff like that and writing kind of like funny, jokey. How do you like, how do you have that conversation? Like, right. And that is something I try to do. I always try to make, like you mentioned, very casual and lighthearted, but like I talk about fairly serious topics just to make it seem more palatable for people. And um, I find that, I mean, I think in that situation, some people don't have to do shit all. Like right now for my first newsletter, I spoke to a queer dietitian and I'm um, 
doing a bottom friendly diet where I'm eating tons of fiber. And like, he's giving me a diet plan to see if douching is like, won't be necessary. Nice. And maybe, you know, something like that, where you just have peace of mind being like, look, I've done everything I can. I cannot douche. I don't feel comfortable asking you. Let's just go for it. And if there's mess, <laughs> mess happens. I'm sure as a sex worker, he's come across. I mean, it's true. I'm sure like, and John's such a sweetheart. Like I remember telling him the other day that I was going through some like shitty stuff because I have IBS too. Fun. And so we were talking about that and I was saying to him, like, I'm really, I want to like, you know, I haven't seen you in a year, but I wanted to tell you how I'm feeling about my body right now. And so I told him about like, oh, sometimes I have diarrhea. It's really crappy. And he goes, yeah, sometimes I, I, you know, that happened to me in in the elevator once. And I was like, I was like, okay, good. So like, it made me feel really, hi, John, sorry. It made me feel really, <laughs> it made me feel super like um, comfortable because I was like, he, okay, he gets it. Like, that's cool. Yes. Um, and that's so important, right? Like I feel, especially as you're a disabled person, you a trust is all the more important because yeah. I, you're, in, I'm literally in your hands right now. And it's not the, you know, like you don't have the options that an able-bodied person would. So yeah. you trust that person all the much more, which like, I- even if when I'm with John and we have a great report, but it, when I'm with him, like if I wanted to get out of the situation, I'd have to ask him for help to get out of the bed and to get right. like in my chair. And so like, if I was, if I was like done with our encounter and I wanted, I wanted to go, I'd have to say like, help me in my chair, help me get dressed. Like I still have, even if I was pissed at him or like we didn't, things didn't jive. And I've been with sex workers where, things didn't go super great and i was yeah. like okay i need you to i want to go i'd still have to be like but before you storm out of here can you put me back in my wheelchair like, <laughs> right. so like, like so like i think articles that you write about those encounters and like talking to disabled people about some of the worst sex they've ever had like the like the least sexiest things they've ever had and the level of trust people um have to put in other people like john's amazing and we've built this great friendship now we're like when he comes over we're not working i mean we are working together but it's not like that at all it's so it doesn't feel that way yeah, yeah it's so comfortable and easy that i don't feel that way but like there have been moments with other workers where it just feels like it's a job and they would much rather be doing anything else and then i have to be like oh can you just put me back in my chair even though like yeah i'm sorry to bother you but yeah. yeah but i just paid you 300 bucks an hour to do the thing and it kind of sucked so could you just right check it out thanks yeah and like you feel like you can't be honest with them because like you know you can't be like well that wasn't great but can you help me <laughs> like yeah yeah so. that wasn't awesome but can you yeah um i'm wondering and for your work as a sex writer do you use your lived experience kind of as a queer man, as a, as a baseline? 100%. I find that um, I'm very open about everything. There's nothing that's off limits. I've written about the most excruciating sexual experiences of my life. I've been to the hospital twice due to sex. I have uh, so many questions. What happened? Yeah. So I, I, we did our first podcast episode a few weeks ago. And my co-host, who's also a sex educator, after we finished said, I have a vulnerability hangover. I feel like I just said way too much. And I said, I don't at all. What's wrong with me? Like, (laughs) why do I have no, you know, I have no, nothing holding me back. I'll just say anything. And I think that that's what people appreciate is that I don't care. And I'll talk about it because if I'm not talking about it, what am I, I feel like what am I doing? the the most positive feedback I get is people going, I felt that way too. That happened to me. Yeah, I felt this alone, and that's all I can hope for. So, not that I want to flirt with you, but maybe I do. I don't know. Um, <laughs> because you use your lived experience as a base, have you had sex with a disabled person yet to learn about that? I have not, and to be honest, I you are the you're in the city, and you're the only person that I know who is so like active on the apps, and you know everything Man, like I'm that. Kind because- of a whore. <laughs> Yeah, so, you know what? Good for that. We're all whores. I mean, I'm kind of a, <laughs> I'm a sex app whore right now, okay? Because it's been a year. It's, it's all we've got. <laughs> it's literally all we've got. But like, so do you think, and again, this is not me flirting. This is just me asking straight out. Like, do you think you would ever consider sleeping with a disabled person to learn more about that? Absolutely. And a lot of the things, you know, a lot of the modes of like me having sex with certain people 
is also to have an experience with it and to learn from it. Because how can I be a sex educator if I limit my sexual experiences to white muscle gays? Just this, yeah, I mean, I mean you know, listen, like, the white muscle gays are great. They're fun for a Friday evening. Yeah. Like, and, and you know what? Some of them are my closest friends. You know, they're good. there's good and bad ones, just like everyone. Of course. But it's also like, you know, let me diversify my cock portfolio. Listen, <laughs> you if know? you want to diversify your cock portfolio, when this thing is over, give me shit. Yeah, right. Give me a ring. We'll figure it out. But <laughs> but I mean, but no, no, no. With consent and love, and of course, of course. Of course. Um, but like you know, I think I really appreciate you wanting to talk about this and wanting to like expand your knowledge. So, like, is there any part of sex and disability when you were watching me do the presentation mm-hmm. that you wanted to ask me but didn't get a chance to, or were scared about? Um. I think a lot of, you told me, a lot of people I know when I wrote about sex and disability, they were asking like, oh, can this guy, like, can these people get hard? Can they feel it? And you ex- expressed to me that absolutely, I've got no problem in that regard. <laughs> so I'm wondering if, is it pain that's keeping you from bottoming or is it like the ask of douching and like, you know, the vulnerability of it? I think it's the fear of... Not so much because there's a mess and I know all gay men talk about like, oh my, oh my God, what if there's poo? For yeah. me, it's like, what if they expected there to be poo because I'm disabled? What if they thought, what if they, in the deep recesses of their mind, already thought that I was dirty because I was disabled and I didn't take care of myself and I couldn't take care of myself and then they go to fuck me and then there's shit there, which will only confirm that like, yep, he's already this, this dirty person. And so like, then I have to spend so much more time reconvincing them that I have sexual value. And so like, I mean, the pain part, look, I have rods in my spine from surgeries. I have, I have, I go pee with the catheter every day where I have a, a plastic thing shoved up my pee hole four times a day. I'm used to pain. Like I'm pain is not, I'm not scared about that part. Yeah. I'm scared about the social implications of like, of like, what if I bought him and like the person gets freaked out or what if I bought him and the person does hurt me unintentionally because I don't like, I don't know how to say that to them and have right. that conversation even with John. And I've known John now for four years. Like we don't talk much about me bottoming for him because neither of us know really how to, t- <laughs> neither of us want to like ruin the vibe. We have a good thing going. So why the fuck ruin it? We'll just keep doing what we're doing. Right. And that's, I think that's the thing I've learned most about you uh, and disabled sex throughout this whole thing is it's less about the physicality and it's more about people's preconceived notions and people's mentalities towards things where you're like, I don't feel comfortable because people feel this way. Yeah. like It's not I- like I can't do it. It's I can totally do it. I don't want this person to feel uncomfortable or I don't want this to happen. Yeah. And so yeah. like when John and I first met, our first meeting was us being so nervous with each other. Like, I don't think either of us said more than like a sentence to each other mm-hmm. during the whole encounter because we were both fucking terrified. And by like our third meeting, we were both like, okay, let's just relax. Well, like what we got to figure it out. Yeah. Because neither of us could be, he was worried about hurting me. I was worried about scaring him. And we spent so much time, like, again, because you had to write the article in a certain way, I would have loved to have delved into that piece of like, yeah. when he and I met each other, we were both terrified. And I've asked him since then, and we've talked about it on the show, on my show, and he's been on here. And we've said about, like, you know, he was scared of hurting me. He was scared of saying the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing. Yeah. But so, But so was I. I was like, you're this really hot dude. You're mm-hmm. here to do this thing. I've never met you. I'm terrified of my mind. But, yeah. like, we're going to do it because you're here and I want to. My body's responding to you. Right. Like, like, I'm more horny than terrified. So, let's yeah. This. <laughs> yeah. But, like how the fuck do we do this? And so I, like one of the things I'm excited about you and I writing a newsletter is like, we can get into the fact that it was, <laughs> it was, and I'm still like, we, John and I haven't seen each other in a year mm-hmm. now since the pandemic started. I don't know what's going to happen the first time we see each other again. It's really weird again because like, yeah, you're kind of starting all over. Yeah. 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 So I mean, I think that kind of stuff needs to be more in disabled writing and it needs to be more in like, or not disabled writing, but sex writing, especially the, the emotional side of it. And so what I liked, what I loved pitching for places and they never took them was like, there's an emotional side to this. I want to share this part 
because you're not here. You're hearing, yeah, Andrew can talk. He's got a big dick and that's really cool. And like, and I would play with that aspect of my sexuality too for the big outlets. But I'd also be like, there's a part of me that just wants to hang out with this dude. And like, if we don't fuck, great. Like there are moments where I'll use John as an example. And there are moments where John and I don't, we, we, we have a whole session where we don't do anything. Yep. We go for we go for lunch. Mm-hmm. We'll have a coffee. We'll have we'll go. He'll help me with groceries. We'll come back. We'll make out, and then the session is done. Thanks, see you later. Like that, and that's really nice. And I think people don't understand. Also, like for for us in our relationship, it's not always about I want to suck your big dick. Like yeah, I do. It's great. I enjoy that. But like. It's also really nice when he's like, hey, you want to just hang out? Yeah. I think that's a huge component of that people don't think about sex work too, is that it's it's called sex work, but a lot of the time it's not sexually focused. No. Like, I mean. Companionship, intimacy. Yeah. All discussions. Like John and I have spent the last year not being able to see each other, but I talk to him all the time just about, hey, how are you today? How's things going? Like, how are you? Because you're still a human that I care about. Like. Yeah. And I'm so glad you and John found each other. Cause truly, I think I don't know a more genuine kind person than John. He truly. is such, <laughs> he's going to, he's going to be so embarrassed when he hears this episode, <laughs> but, uh, but like, he's such a, he's such a genuine person. And I remember like, you know, he and I have worked through our boundary issues and like, you know, what's appropriate for our relationship. And I think yeah. that he's such a, he, I have worked with several workers you know, before and after John. And I have, I have not met one. I will always pick him over anyone else because I'm like, he gives a shit about what he's doing. It doesn't matter if it doesn't matter. He cares about the person that he's going to see. Yeah. And And as he's someone who looks like he could be a total prick, you know, like if he wanted to, he could be a total asshole. Yeah. Literally the opposite. (laughs) Like the nicest guy ever. He's like the sweetest, one of the sweetest humans I know. Like just, I have not met somebody who in his capacity as a worker and a human is like, I like you. Let's like, we're, let's be friends. And so I always say to him, we're friends now. Like I'll, I'll still pay you for the work we're doing, we do together, but like we're friends now because like I've worked, I've worked with workers who would take the money and say, Oh, thanks. I just did it. I did it for the tips. And I was like, cool. Um, you're supposed to make me believe you enjoyed yourself. Why did you just <laughs> like, whereas when John leaves, like we'll make out for five minutes before he's out the door. And then I know that he enjoyed himself and yeah. I, you know, I have anxiety. So I'll immediately be like, you, you sure you like that? Hey, that was good. Like I, I spend an ample amount of time making sure he's all right. And I don't think like, those are things I think in articles when we talk about sex work, generally, we need to hear more of those stories of like, well, the the kind of like the anxiety and how you overcame that and like the comfort with the person and that stuff mm-hmm. i think in disability in disability sex writing nobody wants to hear that they want to hear someone fucked andrew and made his life better or andrew fucked someone and he gets to have great sex those are all great salient talking points but there's so much underneath that yeah. people don't explore Right. Yeah. And and these, it's like you mentioned, it's the same topic getting brought up two years and it's just the same story being rewritten. Yeah. It's the same, like disabled people fuck. Right. We got that. Can we go underneath? Can we go? What do you think they, yeah. Yeah. What do you think? Of course. Like what happens after they fuck? Mm -hmm. Um, So how do you think like, because you're so prominent in gay media, like you're, basically the only gay media person I follow right now. So <laughs> to me, you're pretty prominent. Um, how do you think we can change the conversation around sex and disability from not just from you as the writer or the writers, but from like an editorial, we're going to run this piece standpoint? Yeah. Um, well, I think something to always consider. I mean, now from now on, you know, I, even after this conversation, I realized that I should be a little more, I should speak to a broader audience. You know, I I think I'm speaking to a broader audience by being more general, but I can do so by being more specific, if that makes any sense. Instead of being like, here's it, I could be like broken down into more, you know, like I always felt bad reaching out to you to be like, 
Oh, do, can I interrupt your day to like ask for a quote or two? I mean, I mean, well, first of all, always do that for now. And you have like carte okay. blanche to always <laughs> rejudge me. It's totally uh, fine. Perfect. Secondly, you're hot. So don't worry about it. It's good. <laughs> uh, but no, but like, I think, I think, you know, we want to be reached out to. We want to be approached. There's, there's something I love getting stuff from big, big names that are like, we want to talk to you about this. And I think you putting that in your writing because you're so prominent, and particularly in our community as a gay male sex writer, mm-hmm. like you putting that in the forefront will make the other cis white muscle gays go, oh, I never thought about that before. Or, oh, maybe I have invisible disabilities that I didn't realize. Or like, oh, yeah. like it'll give them because you because you have privilege as a pretty white muscle gay. I mean, I mean, are you a muscle gay, right? Yeah, sort of. Not anymore. I might have been, but this pandemic's been bad. I mean, you're hot bear then. You're hot ginger bear. But that's what we'll say. Good. Yeah, we'll Come, take I don't know. I don't, honor? I don't know. Um, but like because of your privilege in the community and like I see your thirst trap photos. I follow you. I see, I see what you put out there. Right. So because, because people respond to that really like really heavily using that privilege to say hey let's talk about this like that's why i think your article that you did on me and john did so well because the cis white muscle gays saw that and they saw you and they knew who you were and they're like well if he's writing about this this must have merit whereas if i put out the same article they go oh that's sander talking about sex again or like oh that's just a disabled guy we see all the time but so i think you have a benefit in using your privilege as a very well-known gay male sex writer to be like, these issues need space to breathe. No, I, I agree. Like since your story opened my eyes to things I didn't personally like or previously consider, I think the best way, oh, hold on. Sorry, someone's calling. No worries. Um, I think the best way to like recognize our personal privileges is to educate and like expose other people's stories. Like you were saying, like, I can talk about my experiences personally, but I can also bring people like you and people of color and everybody into my circle and expose that to my audiences and be like, these are their experiences that you might not have known prior. I think that even, you know, with straight people, when you come out as queer and you kind of, you expose your, you know, you're around, you're present, they understand better and they're less closed-minded to things. And they're like, oh, he is just like me, or they are just like me. Yeah. And, you know, they do have urge, sexual urges. And, you know, not all gay men want to get fucked in the ass all the time. You know, some of them... I mean, it is a dream I have. Can <laughs> oh, you're have right. place. Like, it is a dream. It, it is something I want. Make it happen. Somebody figure it out, please. Yeah. Um, but, but no, I think, you know, and I, that's why, like, at the beginning, you said you were nervous to be here. I hope that this conversation has, like, relaxed you a bit to the idea that your privilege is a is a is a benefit in that you can now and I love the fact that you say oh I didn't realize that's not a slight that's not a bad thing to me that's a really powerful thing because it means now every time you put you go to your computer to write a thing you're gonna you know subconsciously or not you're gonna think about about maybe disability or maybe other isms or like and that's that I'm, i hope that this conversation planted that seed today oh absolutely and it's something that i've always you know when i started writing it was all very you know i'm a sex writer this is so cool i can't believe i'm doing this and now that i've been doing it for roughly a decade it's almost been a decade now wow wow how um, old are you i'm a 31 well hold on you're a child basically <laughs> and yeah. you and you're only you wow <laughs> but i mean as as a sex writer for a decade do you mm. feel like you've been writing the same stories over and over again well that's actually i was going to mention at the next point like i find that now i'm getting a lot more niche and i can speak to topics like this yeah. you know like when i started writing about sex i wasn't even out of the closet so i came out halfway through my career so now you know it went from being you know mostly straight sex to you know, I'm more fluid. I, I still am sexually attracted to women, but I write. Look at you breaking I, out of all the boxes. Yeah. You know, Bobby Box checks all the boxes. So. And I think we found the, the title for this episode. Right? <laughs> that's perfect. Um, but I think that's great. And I, I really, really, I really love sitting down with you. And I, you're somebody that I wanted to like 
look in their eyeballs for a while now. So it's really nice we got to do that. It's been great. And I'm, I'm so happy how this went. I absolutely love talking to you. This was like a more personal version of your presentation, which I absolutely adored. Anyone who's listening, whenever Andrew's presenting, please attend. It's really great. He's fantastic. Pay me to attend too. Like, pay, pay. <laughs> put, put your, put your, put, and you know, pay Bobby to write things. Pay Bobby exactly. to write about, like, you know what we should do? People that hire both of us, pay both of us for me to present and then Bobby to write about it. Let's right? Yeah. And pay for that. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, exactly. Um, so I loved talking to you. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank I'm you. out of questions. Do you have any last burning disability questions for me? I think we covered it all. I'm, uh, I feel like I'm leaving with a novel's worth of knowledge from this. Awesome. So the next piece you write, <laughs> the next blog, post, the next uh, newsletter will be. Oh, we're doing that newsletter. I mean, I'm so, I'm so ready for it. I'm here <laughs> for it. Um, but how can the people get a hold of you? Oh, I had a question in my mind before, before we, before you end my last question, you do a bunch of stuff on drag race um on yeah. your twitter your okay. twitter is very drag race heavy love it <laughs> i don't watch it because i don't really care so much but like i'm happy for you but <laughs> i'm wondering there you know oddly evie came out as having a disability yes. a while ago like mm-hmm. you could write about that i would also love to do a piece with you at some point about how do we make drag race more accessible to a wheelchair user i like, love that how do we how like how do we get RuPaul to be like, ooh, rolling down the tracks, Henny? You're like some, I don't know what the what the things people say there are, but like, <laughs> but like those That's pretty close. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a good point, actually. You know, and RuPaul's recently started opening her mind to different contestants. Like they have their first trans man on there this season. And um, they got two non-binary contestants on UK this season. So I definitely see he's becoming less uh, closed-minded to things because before he was like, absolutely not. None of that. He was so weird. I remember seeing that being like, oh. Yeah, this doesn't seem like you. You're a bit of a douche. And aren't you a black person? Like, shouldn't you be supporting everyone? Yeah, and people were like, why are the black queens never winning? Like, RuPaul, what's going on? Like, they're talented. What's going... Like, you send them home early. We should do RuPaul's Drag Race. Me! (laughs) I should be, we should do that. Somebody should figure it out. Through Paul's drag race. Through Paul's disabled drag race. Here for it. Somebody make that deal happen. Let's make it happen. Um, Bobby Box, it was so great to sit down with you. Thank you so much for being so open and vulnerable and talking about this stuff and being willing to learn. It was such a pleasure. Um, we're going to talk more after this because you're awesome. Uh, but how do people get a hold of you? Okay, so... Because my Twitter was deleted, I am now at It's Bobby Box. That's my new account. On Instagram, I am at By Bobby Box. And my my uh, newsletter is called Inbox because it's a sexually suggestive, you know, you're inside me. And, um, yes, please. When does that, when, how do I? <laughs> <laughs> when and where. Yeah, and let my, me know. Uh, my podcast, which will be out in the mid-February, is called Bad in Bed. And uh, yeah, you should see it by the end of February at the absolute latest. You should call it Box in Bed. Box in Bed. I know. If I didn't have a co-host, I totally would. (laughs) Box in Bed. (laughs) Amazing. Uh, Bobby Box, I absolutely love sitting down with you. I could go on for like three more hours. I know, right? This has been fun. so much we could talk about. But um, we'll save that for your show because it'll be great. It's happening. Yeah. All right. So Bobby Box, thank you for coming on Disability After Dark today. And we will talk to you very soon. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Thanks. All right. That was another episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories, a part of the Wheels on the Ground network. I am really, really happy you came to this one. If you want to follow my work, you can head over to www.drewgerza.com and you can follow me on all my socials at, at drewgerza. So Instagram and Twitter at Drew Gerza. You can also follow the podcast at DisAftDarkPod on Twitter. Remember, if you want to be a part of the show, you can email us at disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. Tell us a little bit about your story. Tell us a little bit about why you want to be on the show, and we'd love to have you. The show is, again, no longer just a sex and disability podcast. We want to talk to you about everything. So drop us a line. We'd absolutely love to hear from you. 
Remember, if you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark and pledge as little as $1 a month or as much as $5 a month or more to keep a bright light shining on these stories. I'm your host, Drew Gerza, your disabled daddy. Thank you so much for listening to this Wheels on the Ground production, and um, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Bye! Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Drew Gerza and Wheels on the Ground Productions. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music, are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright 2020-2021